right. A big part of building free and conscious communities is how we can do sustainable housing and how we can do affordable housing and how we can come together and build real eco villages. And the next people that we're going to bring up today are doing just that. In fact, they hosted a workshop just a couple days ago that was very well attended where folks got their hands dirty and they did hempcrete. We're super excited to have them be involved in the community because they're real doers with a ton of experience and they're so super cool and down to earth. So I'm super excited to invite Imani and River up to the stage. Come on. Woo, give it up, give it up, give it up. Awesome. Hey, y'all. We're practicing becoming Texans. <laughs> so it's such an honor and privilege to be here um, with the Greater Reset family. And I just want to do a shout out for John and Derek um, for all the hard work that they've done in bringing this network together. So thank you both. So for those of you that are new to us, um, we're Haven Earth, and we're going to be focusing our talk on community and hemp. And we're working with John on the slides here. So, John, this the first few slides will move kind of quickly. Um, some of you may know I'm Imani Mamalushin, and I've done some work in the last two years with the pandemic, specifically focused on um, really revealing truth and bringing together some of the seminal voices that were speaking out about that. But what I really want all of you to know is that um, what's behind my search for truth in the last three decades is my family and my children. So if you go to the next slide, yay, Don, we're, we're synchronizing here. This is my family. I raised my six children in an organic cafe in Hartford before people knew what organic food was or GMOs. And our curriculum, um, I, my four birth daughters were born at home, never vaccinated. And this our cafe was our classroom, and we built community even before we really knew how to do that. So that was part of the beginning of my personal research with my family. And our curriculum is around the arts and around uh, real food and around freedom and really how to do that. So if you go to the next slide, 10 years later, I actually, in that time, wrote a book called The Absence, Presence of Soil. It was sort of like my cathartic rant to figure out how we got here as humanity and what kind of world did I bring my children into. I rewrote that book. Um, the latest version with input from River is coming out. It's actually at the printer right now because there have been more dots that I've connected in the last two years, as I imagine many of you have. Um, one around uh, specifically the, the climate change hoax. And so I think that's a big part of what we want to share with you. But it the conversations that I've had with these, you know, voices that have been speaking out have really um, brought to light some of the issues in a, in a new kind of way. And so that book and the conversations have really shaped me to the, the next version, the next slide of where we came to, because I started with the Red Pill Expo. I organized that with G. Edward Griffin uh, to 2019, I think, after I saw Derek in Anarchapulco that year. And then as things began to reveal themselves, and we started bringing together all of these kind of um, information that was speaking out. We started getting flooded with emails. Um, Sovereign was in Bali working behind the scenes with Sasha and New Earth. And we're getting hundreds of emails from many of you that were wanting to connect and wanting to try to put together the pieces of this puzzle that was kind of presenting itself. We were all finding each other, right, as we were... Um, Re revealing our beautiful faces, kind of who's who. So with that, um, we started having conversations online, the Brave New Life community, and we started 
talking to people all around the world. So we were really getting the picture of what was happening. And in that, those conversations, um, River was one of the people that showed up. So we actually met just over a year ago. And I've had, after I closed my cafe, I've been working on building a network with my hemp business and the connection that we had with hemp and our desire and our personal research is research for building community is sort of what brought us together. Exactly. Can you change the slide, John? Yeah, I'm Paul River Richardson. Um, I'm from the UK. If you can tell by my bad accent and you might not be to understand me sometimes, but I'll try my best. Um, I started out in architecture education in the UK and I came to the States in 2002 and worked in residential construction up in the Northeast for about a decade doing high-end homes and on the design side and on the construction side. Then you go to the next slide, I started getting into more ecological architecture and we were doing the panelized home systems and shipping them around the world in cargo containers. And I was, you know, believing in the global warming narrative at that time and, uh, you know, setting up recycling programs and doing all these things, which are not bad things, but just under the wrong guise. Um, and then in 2011, I ended up getting kind of brought out to Azerbaijan. You see in the next slide, I was a uh, project managing uh, for some, this is the president of the country. Um, we were doing projects for them, big hotels, big resorts. Uh, I was on the project management team, understanding what it takes to get these big projects executed. Um, in the background of my head, I knew that something was coming on the way. Some change was coming. Um, I ended up getting out of Azerbaijan Next um, and went to Kazakhstan to work for the president again in that country and seeing really behind the scenes of what was going on there. And if you see Astana in the capital city of Kazakhstan, you should Google it. It's, it's the New World Order Master Plan. They've got a 150-foot glass pyramid with the UN building at the top of it. Um, it's it's very interesting, and and they had the uh, Syria so you had peace accord. An inside there. View. I had an inside view, um, and after this project, which was very successful in some respects, I I chose to get out of that industry. This was a lead gold certified project, the the top in supposable sustainable architecture in the world, which was complete nonsense. Um, and I kind of awoke in in that period, understanding what was coming with the, the real shifts that are coming with the solar minimum. And I know some of you probably know Ice Age Farmer, um, David Dubain from Adapt 2030, obviously John Casey, who wrote The Dark Window. If you haven't read this book, you should read this book. It's a must read. But what was coming was this ultimate lockdown of society. And what's going on right now is just a cover for what they're trying to do is lock down things because of the upcoming food shortage, societal shifts, uh, earth changes. Um, and so I wanted to use my knowledge of construction and getting things done to help people shift out of that system into a more um, sustainable, I don't like that word, I say regenerative is a better word to use. I went to Africa, I learned uh, some natural building techniques, and you might recognize the guy here, Alosha Linoff, he spoke on uh, Friday, I think, and Alosha and I really hit it off, but my my best experience was there, understanding that people who have no skills really can come together and actually build community. They can build structures and it's super empowering for people. I don't know if anybody came to the workshop the other day, but it's a super empowering experience to know that you can, with our own hands and a lot, a lot of skill, some knowledge, we can build structures um, from that knowledge. And I never built anything before. So I come from the design side of things. So I was getting my hands in the mud, let's say. I went to Turkey, I designed this house. 
in, in Bojum, Turkey, and we took 10 local villagers who had no skills per se, and we trained them up in 30 days. We built this house, which is about 700 square foot. He's been off grid completely during this whole pandemic in Turkey. Um, the wildfires completely missed his land. You can check him out online at uh, Lucky Spring Farm. It's quite an amazing story. And he had yeah. the foresight to build that house and completely live off yeah, the grid. He, he felt something coming, years. even though he wasn't in the know. Um, and then from there, I, Alosha and I went to Russia. Um, and probably a lot of you know, back in the 90s, the Russia kind of basically dissolved. It went through a massive hyperinflation the Soviet Union collapsed um, and people gravitated towards moving into community. The Anastasia book series came out. Who else has read the Ringing Cedar series? Actually, that was one of the things when River told me he visited the community. I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. We need to talk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we went there and what we saw in Russia was over 600 communities. We didn't see all 600 communities, but there's hundreds of communities started up based around getting back to the land growing food, have your one hectare of land, and everything else will be fine, right? Well, they didn't think about the economic side of things. They really didn't think about end of the future. How, how are we going to maintain, sustain, grow, build our communities, build our dwellings? So what happens, a lot of people exited from there. Um, now there's over 20,000 villages in Russia that are abandoned. There's over 36,000 communities and villages that have fewer than 10 residents. So part of this is bringing together this research of, you know, from my background, raising a family and rivers and architecture to look at what are the patterns and what can we learn from all of these communities that we've been um, exposed to and, and out there, but also just in our research. And that's sort of what we continued together in the last year as we've been traveling around to over 100 locations and thousands of miles. So I think if you go to the next um, slide... Yeah, you can see um, at, at that point, I kind of created Haven Earth as a way to just document what I was doing um, and we had like a one page website at the time. And with the idea of helping people to relocate from that urban toxic environment of dependency into agrarian models of living where we're actually decentralizing and we're growing our economies in a more village setting. Um, has anybody ever heard the saying, it takes a city to raise a child? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it takes a city. I mean, it takes a village. Um, <laughs> and, and for me, I, I started to get into hemp at that point um, because it felt, it felt that it had this quality that empowered us to take the future in our own hands and, and build something great with that whilst getting back to the land. Um, and, so and hemp is definitely traveling. what brought us together in so many ways, among other things. But um, what we were doing, I had started these freedom potlucks. Um, I'm actually from the East Coast. And then we started hosting them in different places, sort of like the Underground Railroad. We would get together with people that were really needing to connect in, the, in a physical way. So we traveled around and then we started including the hemp talks because after we saw this kind of... Um, processing that people needed to do, all the PTSD and the trauma around what was going on, and even ideas around community, we started this inquiry process of what is it that we're looking for and what is it that we're trying to build as we really, you know, build out this new timeline. So I think these questions and this inquiry were really important. And the other thing that, you know, 
we met around the Brave New Life community, which is around what we call this kind of agroforestry or centropic human ecology, this feeling-based relating. So that was sort of the imprint that River and I took on how we um, are in our relationship and the relationship with people in that community. So it's sort of created that template or that foundation where we're building community from the inside out based on how we're relating to one another. So we, in addition to all these conversations and potlucks we were having, we started teaching people about hemp and then, you know, River's work as an architect, we were looking at people who had land, were looking to buy land or already had land that they were trying to build on. And so I learned a lot from him and looking at the actual physical aspect of building community. So for us, it's both. It's we're looking at that sort of um, aspect of community that I think a lot of people have fear about, um, also excitement about. But the reality is that there's so many communities that have not survived and um, looking at that of the numbers of what happened in Russia and what we're dealing with today. So gleaning from that information, what we needed to do moving forward. So if you go to the next slide, John, um, the other thing that I just want to say before we kind of go into the, the land piece and the, the um, actual structure, the building of it, is looking at how are we structuring our businesses and our communities. And for us, um, and you can check out our live stream on the Haven Earth PMA on YouTube. We do the regeneration series, and we've done several podcasts around the PMAs. Some of you know that, private membership associations. So we set up Haven Earth in June as a 508 um, ministry which is the opposite of what, what um, the 501c3 nonprofit that is, you know, that agreement with the state and looking at that as well as the PMA structure and looking at the land that we're building out the sovereign village model as a trust that will be a co-ownership model. Because I think one of the things that we heard from people was that um, the question around ownership, well, who owns it and how do we agree on things and all of that? So that was a big piece of the conversation that we've been having. And if you go to the next slide, this sort of dives into the economic piece that River and I both feel strongly about that the community's model that we're looking to create is around the economics and the education. So the economic aspect of that in my research back in the day when I had my co-op, um, it was really hard being the owner of a brick and mortar store because it was always, I was the owner and then I had employees, even though I was trying to build community and always looking for ways around that. So I was always interested in the barter economy, the Berkshire bucks, the Ithaca dollars. Um, obviously we all know about crypto. I'm not an expert at all and convinced that that's something that I can um, actually even figure out how to do, but we know that this new decentralized economy is part of this model. Yeah, if you um, go back one, John, if you can. Um, I don't know if anybody knows about the experiment in Workel, Austria. It was in 1932, and they were kind of in a similar position, right? They were going into war, into hyperinflation, into economy breaking down. So a town of 4,000 people, the mayor decided to fix some of the issues that were happening in their town by creating their own currency. So he put about 50,000 shillings in a savings account, and he created these notes and circulated them in the community and they at the end of each month they had to put a stamp on it and you got a little charge for the stamp so it kept people from hoarding the money it became this yin currency where it just kept circulating and what ended up happening it that money circulated 10 times more than regular currency so that's 10 times more energy output 10 times more building 10 times more efficiency and then within a year they built a bridge 
They built a ski resort and 200 other villages and towns came to see their model of how they did it. And then guess who came in and shut them down? The central banks. Shut them down and they, Hard to made, find it, information yeah, on they made it illegal to print your own currency because they knew that we could do this. And they say that that's a type of yin currency and our regular currency now is a yang currency, which is about accumulation and wealth. Hoarding. The, the yin currency is really about circulation and putting that back in. So it's really interesting to think about this and how we can use possibly a digital currency, but within a localized decentralized system that could work really well. And also really with that about how do we operate within both timelines as we transition from that old timeline to the new timeline. So if you go to the next slide, John, what we have put together is sort of a checklist of the physical aspects of the land, but again, asking these questions because what we saw is a lot of people were not responding, but rather reacting from a place of fear. So it was like, I've got to do something, exit strategy, I've got to buy land. And so what we really um, want to inspire others to do is look at what, how, from what place are we making these decisions and what are we deciding? Because when I think about communities and I really meditate on that word, I was thinking about the gated communities and I love what Derek and the other presenters were talking about in Mexico. We need to find ways to integrate with the existing communities, not run away and exit up into the mountains, but we know that we need to actually find ways to, one, be in community together. So for us, the idea of a model being more like a village where we're looking at larger numbers and larger pieces of land functioning, much like the villages in Europe that many of us you know, have very good memories of being at and having those experiences. So having those businesses, having those residents and having a combination of things in that model that we're, we're really trying to to build something bigger than that. So the land checklist that we've put together, um, you can actually get that at, um, if you go to havenearth.biz, but you can also... You can't see it at the bottom, but text can, 66866. No, text HEMP. Text H-E-M-P. HEMP, sorry, to 66866, and you can get on our mailing list. We'll send this stuff out. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of people go to land and they're like looking at how it feels and maybe they're thinking about there's some water on the land or these kind of things or if there's a nice view. Um, but there's a lot more to it and, and maybe I'm talk, preaching to the choir here but I think it's really important to understand what's going to happen in that area as much as anything understand what are the resources there what are the pollutants what's coming um, and you know I don't want to go over the whole list but it's definitely a really important element when we come to the land to be thinking in a in a critical way in a creative way and, and listening to the land also. Um, I've been working with different clients as we travel and go and visit in their land and, and seeing what's possible there because they want to go to the land. They've bought their land. They've, you know, whether it's in Oklahoma or Idaho, um, but they don't know what to do. They're just buying a grow dome and they don't even know where to put it, you know. Um, so helping people design out their land. And I think we, we need to utilize the professionals that are out there as well who can who can support us in these things. These are big decisions to get on the land. Um, so the really, idea of a master plan sort of brings this cohesion vision together. And I think if you go to the next slide, John, the, the, the real skill with River, and he won't say it, but I will, is he has a true gift for seeing what's possible in a in a very creative way. So looking at that land and seeing how we can really 
um, kind of, you know, pull out the best of that. So one big piece of that, if we're thinking again of this village model, is that central point in the community where people naturally, organically, centropically come together because it's it's um, a beautiful place that brings people in. Yeah, it's attractive. This this is a place in Yellowwood, Turkey. It's outside of Istanbul. And, and it's kind of the middle of nowhere. Why why you would go there, there's not really a reason. So they created this amazing 50-foot diameter dome structure, ferro-cement. They had gypsies thatch the roof. It's just a beautiful little gem. And it's booked out every weekend. They have a source of economy. They have fresh energy coming into their community all the time. And this is the issue. People think, oh, we're just going to get into our little community and hide away and grow food. You're, you're going to run out of energy. You're going to run out of money. So be thinking about how we can interact with society, how we can be part of the change that we want to see. So with that, you know, um, some of the people that we've been working with, um, one right here in Texas, we have uh, Decadent Saint, where we'll be hosting our next hemping workshop, is right here in Texas, moved their business from Colorado, and I won't say why, but we all know. And so they're doing very well in Texas, and they're... Building this community around this economic model, their winery, the same thing we just did a land visit in Georgia with the um, Rosemary and Thyme Creamery. They weren't sheep farmers, but um, there's a gentleman that was inspired by a young farmer um, to set up the sheep business. And now they're looking at once they have the successful business, which they set up producing cheese to build the community around that. So really for us, really thinking about what is that core economic model? And the way that we are coming to it for the community that we're building out is specifically with hemp, um, because we know that the trajectory for hemp and where it's going in so many ways, especially as it's been deregulated, is going to be, you can go to the next slide, John, but um, well, we actually, I think this is touched on in a lot of the talks, but the aspect of permaculture, because the other thing that all of these people have in common, and I think all of us know that we need to find ways to grow our own food and using permaculture and regenerative agriculture as part of that plan. Yeah, cre creating resilience. And I think the last, the last speakers talked about this too, is how do we use what's on the land? How do we capture and harness the energy on, that's la on the land, rainwater, uh, energy flows, understanding where the prevailing winds are even, um, where to locate our structures in terms of a system that's going to work together. Um, it's really important that we address that instead of just dumping things on the land. And so hoping, hemp hoping is very regenerative. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and this is the best part for me. It's, it's industrial hemp. Um, I'm wearing all hemp clothing. Um, it's hempified. And totally hempified. Um, I built a house in California in, in 2019. Well, let's first talk about yeah. this. Go back to that Go slide, John. So um, basically. Yeah, you, can, you can see what it is. It's not like regular cannabis, like. Uh, industrial hemp has grown very differently. It's grown like a crop, uh, planted very closely together, and it's a 120-day cycle maximum. And then, and every part of the plant is used. So the the thing is that we'll talk about is that this is coming now to the U.S. They've been doing it in Europe, but you know we're talking about the obviously the fiber for the clothing. We're talking about the um, herd that's going to build the houses that we're going to show you. The dust that they're using for ecoplastics the waste that they're using to clean up oil spills. There's a huge processing plant that's just coming to Texas. There's a group of 13 farmers in Kansas that has put together a facility around their farms where they're starting to shift from the genetically modified crops that they're doing to regenerate the soil with hemp. So if you go to the next slide, you'll see that all those different fibers and the benefits of that. And again, 
there's so much out there, but I think if, if you want to add anything, because I know yeah, we're getting I close mean, some time. Yeah, I mean, for me as, a, as an architect and a builder, um, to find a building material that's mold resistant, which is one of the major issues with health in general, that's super insulating, that's a breathing system. So it's regulating the indoor environment of our homes. This is shifting the whole conversation about what it means to live. We spend a third of our lives in our homes, um, and they're mostly toxic boxes sealed so up. I'm and, like and the perfect client for air. River. <laughs> I, who else wants to live in a hemp home? Like a living, breathing system that is, the, you know, healthy. So if you look at the next slide, um, River built a house in California that was on the Discovery Channel. So you can see that on our Instagram, which is Haven Earth PMA. We've got some videos on there. But again, uh, a house that is actually alive and breathing. And I think there's so many things that it addresses for those of you that are at the workshop. It's fire resistant. It's mold. It's pest resistant, rot resistant. I Add mean, this the is, salt this and is it's next EMF level. resistant. And we can grow it next door and we can process it. There's a massive processing facility coming online in Texas 5,000 tons, I mean, Next five line. tons an hour they can produce. So this is moving in the processing facilities are coming to the U.S. But that house in California, we had to ship everything in two years ago from Europe, but now it's already here. So this is like a revolution about to happen in all industries, really, across the board. So we've been hosting the talks and we started doing hands-on workshops. We did that demo, as John mentioned, and we have um, really feel strongly that not just the designing of these hemp homes, but actually creating the workforce. This is an industry, this is an economy that can really build lots of communities with the actual physical structures, but it can expand beyond that. So if you go to the next slide, John, this is a um, DIY Hempel project that we built in Maui in November, which is um, an, you know off the grid for people that are looking to get onto the land fast and not able to deal with permits. So that that is just the, the idea behind empowerment. I think if you talk a little bit about the home modular home idea as we move into the next slide, John. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lightweight system. We can create modular systems and really we're working on that. And, and, and that's the premise really for what we're talking about with the Sovereign Village actually about this being the, the anchoring economic element for our community and where we can grow the materials, where we can process the materials, where we can make the products and bring people in on an educational model so they can start learning about this and take it back to their communities. Um, so we'll be hosting a workshop here in Texas, March 14th. It's a three-week certification for anybody that has building skills um, that wants to pivot or look at starting a business or partner with us as we set up sort of these Haven Earth pods because we have people that want hemp homes all over the country. Um, there's a six-day part of that where you can come in and just learn the hemping. There's people that want to have the experience of growing, building their own home and having their hands on it. Um, there's a definitely high-frequency energetics of this home and this material. I know River didn't mention it, and we usually talk about it, but this is the material that they found in ancient Vedic temples. This is not something new. It's just that the ability for us to be able to create homes in this way today is the technology is, is definitely increased. So it's an industry that's booming. The hemp build directory just came out for the first time. So there's lists of people. They're going to, you're going to see it all over the place. The people that are kind of coming out of the woodworks with this. And I think when we look at this from that economic standpoint of what we can do, um, because the big guys are going to come in on hemp. I mean, there, there's, it's already happening. So we really. Bond, Pfizer, they're all at the door now with hemp. Yeah. So we want to make sure that 
you know, our communities have access to this amazing plant and can be able to leverage that in the way that everyone else will be leveraging it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I would like to say is that this is for us, it's not about hiding away and running away from the system. This is about, you know, that system is broken. Let's create a new one that's that's going to work for the future. And that other one will become obsolete. Thanks to Buckminster Fuller for that quote. Yeah. So we'd love to keep the conversation going. We host community hemp talks every other week. You can follow us on Instagram at Haven Earth PMA. We did finally set up a Telegram channel, even though I have no idea what we're doing on there. Haven Earth Ministry, thanks to all the freedom cells. And we also would invite you to get on our mailing list um, texting 6686 if you text hemp to that you'll get us on get on the mailing list automatically so i don't have to do anything or check out our website at havenearth.biz i think we have a two minutes for any questions if anybody has a question that's pressing they really want to ask yeah here i'll let me run the camera up there too or the microphone and the camera go right ahead just wanting a little clarification. Is this something you guys want to do and build everywhere? Is this um, just a model you'd like to set up so other people can take it and run yeah. with it? Thanks, Wendy. A duplicatable model so that we're creating a template. I'm all about the network and power of duplication. So we create a working model. Yeah, and we're doing the first one here. Yeehaw! Yeah, we're looking for land, so we're becoming Texans. Gonna be doing hemp here. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, John, and thanks, everybody. We, uh, are there any it. questions in uh, Mexico? You got any questions down there, D? See if we have uh, time for another question here, too. Did somebody else raise their hand over here? A lot of people are raising their hands. I saw you next. If you'll come on down this way, I'll meet you halfway. Um, I was wondering what the cost difference is between a conventional home and using hemp materials. Um. I would like to answer that by saying, how much is the cost difference between organic food and GMO food? There's a difference for sure between a cheap plastic house and a hemp house. But if you're, if you're looking at a middle of the road kind of level of housing construction, it's, it's really the same because you're not using the drywall, you're not using the plywood, the fiberglass insulation, all the siding. It's a monolithic structure. So it's, it just put some lime plaster on the outside and happy days. Especially with the price of wood. Especially with the price of wood. I think Joel Salatin said, if people think organic food's expensive, have you priced cancer lately? It's not on that same token. Uh, there was another question. Oh, come on up. Stand up, if you will. I was just wondering, um, how many different products, when we have people talking about doing farming, how many different products can come out of an acre of industrial hemp for people who are looking for a cash crop on their land. Right. That's a great question. I mean, they say there's over 25,000 uses for hemp. Um, so, I mean, that goes to tell you where you can go with this. I mean, just, just what we see from the processing plants, you know, they, they create in the dust, which is used in the plastics and um, the geopolymers, uh, bedding, animal feed and um, clothing, textiles, um, obviously building materials, ropes, canvases, what kinds of things? Um, fuel, obviously. It's a fuel source. It's a food source. It's a medicine. So, I mean, depending on what your position and your knowledge is in the community, you could use hemp in different ways, obviously. Um, and from that same processing facility, you could basically decorticate and make 
any of them products available. It just depends what your setup is. But it's a good question. Let's plant some hemp on your land. Uh, Texas yeah. is open for business when it comes to hemp. All right, looks like they got a question down there in Mexico. All right. What's up, Hamani? What's up, River? We got a question for you here hey, from Derek. Mexico. Hey, I love what you guys are doing. Um, I know that like Henry Ford built an entire car out of hemp. Um, and I was thinking it would be amazing uh, to make our local currencies out of hemp. And we could use it to make like actual like like replacement dollars and coins as well. Um, is that something that you have looked into doing for your enterprise? Good question. In 1914, they printed the U.S. dollar on hemp paper. Um, I think I'm thinking of making uh, hemp coins or just just for fun to have little tokens. Yeah, for sure. But we're focused mostly on the building right now because I think that's probably one of the most essential parts of creating community. Well, last thing actually that I would like to say in, in that, um, you know, being a homeschooling mama and River and I are both really focused on the, on the youth, particularly, um, setting up a homeschooling program that would be the life skills and the rites of passage for young men, women too, but both of us have lost, um, our sons in the last year. So we would really like to put a call out to any of the other families out there that are looking for options and alternatives. And I think people, I know a lot of people, have, you know, shifted to that, but I think this is a really unique opportunity for us to serve that particular population and do something that's going to um, contribute to changing the future world. Yeah. Yeah, totally. When you see, you're talking to a 14 year old and, and they see what they can do and they can build a hemp house, their eyes are just like exploding with possibility and to see and that build now. your own house yeah to see that now when the kids are just don't even know what to do stare at a screen all the time and um, it's really inspiring and i think it's it's bigger than us and and a house for us this is really looking into the future of, of what's possible and how to empower the youth with the tools to be able to create that future thanks everyone thank you, thank you. give them a round of applause give, give it up for imani and river wow.